0: Hello and welcome to Mike Springston FFC podcast where we coach you in the Word. We today are beginning part two of the teaching entitled Aborting the New Birth. I hope you've enjoyed part one of that and we're going to begin with part two today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray that you will... Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us, and then that you'll allow it to be applied to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we give you glory and honor today. We ask Jesus to speak to us from your position in the Godhead and the Holy Ghost to reveal as we he reveals, we will receive and release your word to your people. Bless us now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. <laughs> our Christian society seems to have varied understanding of the concept of what being saved really is. And how once saved a believer should interact with their flesh with respect to sin. Of course we're aware that the flesh is the only area of the believer that has to suffer the effects of sin. Now the mind, if the mind is not renewed, the mind and the flesh will work together. And they'll suffer the effects of sin. The flesh, of course, is the one that shows the most dramatic influence over the uh, over the flesh by the fall because it gets sick, contacts, disease, suffer from things such as lust, pride, and other works that are camouflaged in the body to appear to satisfy what the flesh is after. But with these attacks, the Bible said there's been a way made of escape for the believer. Paul told us in Ephesians 1 what needed to transpire in the life of a believer for them to trust the work of the gospel. Let's take a quick look into Ephesians chapter 1 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that he believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I want you to notice, the word in truth, in its real truth, had to be heard. The plan of salvation and the benefits thereof were given and needed to be understood. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, which was the seal of promise, was then to be received. Verse 14, which is, <laughs> excuse me, the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of His glory. The infilling was to serve as the down payment that held the door open for the things that we had been given in Christ Jesus so that they would be made available to us under the plan of inheritance that was designed through the divine plan of redemption. The infilling would maintain the process of what redemption has done for us until the time of purchase or the time of being called into the possession of the owner. This was all done to the honor and exaltation of what Jesus Christ had accomplished for us in the works that began with the cross. Verse 15, Wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, faith which is the acceptance of the substance and the evidence of what Jesus Christ our Lord has accomplished. Now why am I starting this second phase of aborting the new birth with this information? (laughs) Well, the reason for that is because we need to understand what was by divine design to happen in the prayer of salvation, where healing from the cross and forgiveness from sins, where that action by the divine plan of God occurred, and what was to be the outcome of that divine action. So, our belief system was organized upon something. Faith, as the foundation of that belief system, but it was organized on something. It's organized on what he accomplished at the cross. Now, at the cross, he healed us by forgiving us of all our sins and making those who believe, who pray the prayer and believe to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's base now, we move forward to what else organizes our faith? Well, the burying of the flesh with all of its faults that were piled upon the flesh by the fall. In this burying, he preserved the inner man while he eliminated the area of man that remained attached to the flesh. Now why is that important to understand when we're discussing how the new birth is aborted? Because if we understand the work that Jesus Christ our Lord has already done to provide us the freedom from bondage, captivity, and the slavery of sin, then we can see how we can and should be responsible for controlling our flesh we can see how we're able to bring our flesh under subjection by identifying with what he did in the tomb to bury the inclination to satisfy the flesh. My friend, he's made a way for that to occur. Paul said so in Galatians chapter 2. Let me take you to verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. There's your belief system even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith, by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore Christ, the minister of sin, listen to Paul, God forbid. Now look, we desired to be justified or shown as innocent of all of our sin. We, while attempting to be innocent, are found to be producing the very thing that's in opposition to our own declaration of innocence. What was our declaration of innocence? Well, we were reproved by the Holy Spirit. We were convicted of our sins we were convinced that Jesus Christ paid the price and that if we by faith through through grace by faith would believe on him that we would be forgiven and justified pronounced innocent by the throne room of heaven and be saved however while we are to find and live in the innocence of his justification, we continue to produce the very thing that we were reproved of by the devil. Therefore, sin prevails. Now here's the ultimate question that our doctrines concerning responsibility for self-discipline must deal with. You know those doctrines that tell you once you're saved, you're always saved. You can live however you want to live. There's a DNA mechanism on the inside of you that will come awake at the time when the trump sounds and you're called. When your life ends, your life is over, there'll be something on the inside of you that will remain alive. Huh. Here's the ultimate question. The ultimate question deals with your self-discipline. Is Christ the minister of sin. We have to deal with this, my friends. We have to determine whether it is all done by Christ. And there is no input, no influence, nothing that we do or do not do that that is involved in the process of redemption, justification, regeneration, and The acceptance of Christ as Savior. Is it all of Him and none of us? Is it all of Him and it gives us absolutely no responsibility to discipline and be accountable for our life and our lifestyle? If so, then is Christ really, has He become the minister of our sin? Even further. Has he become a party to a lifestyle for which, notice this, he kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? Has he become a party to this lifestyle that for the reason of their sin he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Has he changed his perspective on sin because of the cross? Paul is very emphatic here God forbid. God forbid that we would preach it, teach it, and believe it that way. We choose how we are going to be accountable and responsible to what He has made us to be. My friend, you can't serve two masters. If we do, Jesus Himself said, you will serve one or the other. You will abort the one to whom you are not giving service. Now watch what he says here in Galatians 2 and 18. For if I build again, look at that right there. If I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, I go right back to the condition of which I was held bondage, captive in slavery to, prior to the Holy Spirit reproving me. So if I build it again, I have destroyed, I have aborted, I have killed the new birth. I abort the work that's been done in me. Why is that? Because I'm building the old work. They were destroyed in me by faith, in the work of what Jesus Christ, my Lord, had done. But I chose to reconstruct the old man and live in my old nature. I chose to edify or instruct myself to choose to live under and operate under the things of which I once wanted destroyed. How do I know I wanted it destroyed? Because... I heard the word of truth. I was drawn to the light by the Holy Spirit and I operated in my faith. Now we relegate ourselves back to the condition that we found ourselves in prior to encountering the Holy Spirit's words of conviction and convincing. Oftentimes we are told from pulpits, from classroom teachers, all around the world that God and what He has done in Jesus Christ is enough. When I read Galatians chapter 2, I find out that according to Paul's teaching of the new covenant, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself what I once was. How can we get that wrong? Look at verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God, My friend, we should be dead to the law of sin and death. Yes, but pastor, you said that the flesh is the part of man that remains attached to the fallen. This is accurate. But I also read to you Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 that describes the responsibility of the believer to present his body with purpose and intention to God. This, my friend, is your reasonable service or it's your reasonable responsibility. Now, why is that? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, what he has suffered for you, who he has made you in the economy of God. Your reasonable service is to bring your body under subjection. Your reasonable service is to be accountable. Otherwise, sin will cause consequences and repercussions that will last the entire duration of your fleshly life. Your flesh must not be conformed to this world. If I accomplish the discipline of my flesh under the direction of the Spirit, then my ability to be alive in God is established. If I do not, then I am aborting the new birth. Now, verse 20. Watch this now. Galatians 2.24, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Now here is Paul's worldview. This is how Paul saw his world. He said, I died with him. Now we have to understand what happened to Jesus next. He was buried with him according to Romans chapter 6. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Verse 3 of Romans 6. Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk, should walk, how? In the newness of life. So his flesh, Paul's flesh, met its demise and was reduced to having no influence over his actions. Then in Galatians 2.20, having gone through the cross of the tomb, he is resurrected. The life that he now lives is a life where he has been totally forgiven. One where he is in control and disciplining what his flesh does, then one that he is living under the victoriously anointed deliverance of power over death and hell. This, my friend, honors and exalts God, this lifestyle, this lifestyle that Paul has come under, crucifying, burying the flesh, and the life that he now lives which is a different life, which is a new life. He lives in the newness of life. That is the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Romans 6, 4, Even so, even so, we should understand that we have to walk in a newness of life. Sin, the old man, the old way, the old nature, the old thoughts, the old behavior, the old actions... They're not new to you. If you continue, after having prayed the prayer of salvation, ask Christ into your heart to live after the old man, you are aborting the new birth. You're killing it with intention. Why? Because as Paul said, you're not walking in the newness of life we, my friends, should walk in the newness of life. Why? He tells us why Galatians 2.20 again, and the life which I now live in the flesh, the life which I now live in the flesh, the life of which was after the remains of the fall. My inner man got saved, I've renewed my mind, but the thing that I have to bring under subjection is my flesh. Now watch what he said. I know I'm living in the flesh now. How am I living? Well, I'm living after the glory of the Father. I'm living after the newness of life. My flesh is now coming into understanding and knowledge and wisdom that is exalting and honoring God. I'm living in it, but I am bringing my flesh Under the direction of the Spirit of God. Where does it come from? My inner man operates through my renewed mind. My renewed mind takes control of my flesh. And my flesh doesn't do the things it used to do under the old death economy. I don't think the way I used to think under the death economy. I don't act. I don't speak. I don't release the fire of hell as I used to release under the death economy. If I have been born again and continue to operate in the death, listen, the death economy, then I have aborted the new birth. Paul said the life that I now live, I'm still living in this flesh. But my flesh is not any longer in control. I'm living in it, and I'm walking by faith. And that faith is of the Son of God. We must live in the newness of life because our flesh. Do you see that? Do you see it? Our flesh has been disciplined to life. Now, what life is in our flesh? Well, Paul told us in Romans 8 and 1, It's the life of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our flesh is as new as the new birth that has occurred in our inner man and as the new birth that has renewed our mind and resides in our soul. Our flesh now is disciplined by something. Now watch what I'm about to say here. Our flesh is disciplined by something. I want to say it one more time. Our flesh has something that disciplines it. What is it, Mike? It is our faith. Our faith disciplines our flesh. What we believe as the substance and evidence of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And our ability to attach our faith to His faith disciplines us. Our faith, in coordination with His faith, disciplines us. Wow! That's a revelation for us, friend. Our flesh lives by the substance and the evidence that is coming to it, Through the influence of the Holy Spirit that is in direct communication and coordination not with my faith but with the faith of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Now we know Paul's secret to disciplining his faith. Disciplining his flesh rather. He disciplined his flesh through placing his faith in coordination with Jesus Christ. His flesh, faith, along with the faith of Jesus Christ, brought the obedience of Paul's flesh just as it brought the obedience in the flesh of Jesus Christ. See, there's an answer. There's a revelation to the obedience of the flesh. We found it in Galatians chapter 2, Chapter 2 and verse 20. When he said in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live because I have found a way to discipline my flesh. How was that? I attached my faith to the son of almighty God. I attached my faith to the one that was obedient to the father. I've attached my faith to him that loved me. And Him that gave Himself for me. Now my friend, that becomes the gratification that our flesh is really seeking because every man is looking for a supernatural answer. Take your faith. Attach it to the faith of Jesus Christ. Die with Him. Bury yourself with Him. Be delivered as He was delivered and attach your faith to the Son of God. He loves you, and he gave himself for you. Now notice this. The flesh is always going to seek a master. It will seek the things, first off, that outwardly satisfy. Those things are described in Galatians 5. All of those things are the work of the economy of death. Or, they will seek the gratification of the Spirit. How do we do that? we attach our faith to His faith. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11, you know. Have the faith of God, and you'll say to the mountain, Be thou removed, and whosoever and whatsoever is going to do what you tell it to do, because you're not operating on your own faith, your natural faith, your natural mind, your natural action or behavior. Now you're operating on the faith of Jesus Christ. You're operating on the faith of the Godhead. Now Watch. Seek the gratification of the things of the Spirit. These gratifications take us into a new dimension in the Spirit. Attaching my faith to the faith of Jesus Christ, as Paul taught in Romans chapter 2 and verse 20, takes me into a new dimension in the Spirit. Now the question that must be answered then is this, does the Spirit world manifest as quickly as the natural world manifests? Well, of course, the answer to that is no. Your flesh is in constant contact with the natural world. So how do we determine which stimulus we are to act upon? My friend, the answer sounds difficult, but it is really quite easy. If it is a stimulus that satisfies what you can do in the natural realm, what you feel at the moment or what you want at the moment, then... Probably, not probably, absolutely. It will cause you to sacrifice what has been uh, birthed in your inner man. The single misunderstanding here is the reason for the new birth being aborted. What I want now, what I'm looking at in my flesh on my own, operating by my own faith, operating on my own satisfaction operating on what I see in the natural that I want, what I want now, what I want at the moment, will sacrifice what has been begun in my inner man. What I want now seems to be so important that what my faith chooses to set upon and be patient for seems too distant for me to wait on. My friend, the word of God declares that the Lord Jesus Christ will bring the gratification of manifestation of himself to us. This is a promise from his own mouth. How do we get there, Mike? Same way Paul did. We put our faith in his faith. He is faithful. Every promise in him is what? Yea and amen. God is faithful. Faithful. He is not changed. There is no shadow of turning in Him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now watch what Paul said. The, the Lord Jesus will bring the gratification of the manifestation and this is a promise from His own mouth. Paul said and told us why. Why is He faithful? Because He loved us. Galatians 2.20 Because He gave Himself for me. Now Paul said, because I've got my crucifixion right, I've got my flesh right, I've got my living in the flesh under the control of a faith that is attached to Jesus Christ and Him alone, and because He loves me so much and He gave Himself for me, Paul said, I can't go about frustrating the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So when we are operating, killing and aborting the new birth through exercising our right to live in the flesh, we are frustrating grace. We've placed righteousness under the law of sin and death, and in effect, we have caused Christ to die in vain. Can you see how we have aborted the work of the new birth? We did it through ignorance of the truth. We did it through a lack of understanding. And we did it through an inferior doctrine. In what case the new birth is killed in the life of a believer, in whatever case, the new birth is killed in the life of a believer because they have not taken their part of personal responsibility and accountability. Here is where you must go, and I'm closing. Be crucified with Christ intentionally bury the flesh. Be risen with the victoriously anointed Christ, which comes with authority over death and hell. Now watch this. Live the new life in your flesh, not by the flesh that you can muster, but by the flesh, the the power of faith that is in Jesus Christ. That, my friend is the magic bullet of which we have missed in the teaching of being saved, salvation, and living the life of an overcomer. Our faith must be in, on, created, developed after the author and finisher of our faith. Not on ourself. It is the only mechanism whereby we can in fact cause our faith to be disciplined because that's what he used to cause his faith to be disciplined. Understand that we have this life because he loved us. Understand that we have this life because he gave himself for our freedom. In turn, we must present ourselves wholly acceptable and unconformed to this world operating my faith in his faith. If we don't, we abort the new birth. We kill it and it goes to die. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Bless us today. May we hear truth and may truth make by the force of its power. May truth make us free. We'll give you praise and glory and honor for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Contact me at springston56 at gmail.com, mike ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's messaging. I want to say thank you to our podcast listeners around the world. I want to say thank you to Lift Him Higher Radio. All those of you that are listening through those mediums, we appreciate you. May God richly bless you as we study, learn, and live this gospel life in Jesus Christ. May God bless.